hey, if you've just started dabbling, you know, within the Lightning Node and Lightning Network, opening, closing channels, and like myself, you know, total uh, noob, what what are, what these things are concerned. Um, so you're going to appreciate uh, the following episode, special tutorial with Anthony Potdevin. He's the developer of Thunderhub, uh, which is accessible, you know, via lots of other, uh, you know, ready-to-go nodes such as my node, for example, whatever. So uh, yeah, without further ado, this is my talk and the special tutorial. Uh, it's sort of an overview, you know, about why the features, the functions, how to do this, how to, you know, for, for who, for whom is it, you know, really useful, and what are the challenges, what do you need to be careful about. So I'm really looking forward to, to my talk with Anthony Pottevin and hope you can enjoy this. Let me know if you have any questions afterwards. Uh, make sure you follow me on Twitter and subscribe to the YouTube channel and podcast show The Cave Davani Connection. Thanks so much and I'll see you soon. All right, welcome to the show. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for your time. How are you doing? Hey, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, excited to be here. Yeah, Anthony, uh, really appreciate the time. Listen, um, so, uh, I know you're, you know, are you the, the main or core de or uh, the main developer of Thunderhop? The... Yes. So I am, I am the main maintainer. A, a couple other people have also joined in and, and they commit every once in a while, but I am the main person that, that started the project and, um, yeah, and I continue uh, maintaining it to this day. That's great. So look, uh, there's a lot of educational material uh, out there, uh, whether you know, for to read or to watch or to listen to. Um, I must say, you know, BTC sessions. Ben did a great job, you know, giving an overview. But they're just, you know, once you watch it, and then you have like specific use cases, or you 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 access Thunderhub. Uh, which I'm gonna, you know, let you explain what it is exactly. What, why, why do we Thunderhub? What are the risks? Uh, I also want to talk to you about the privacy concerns because there was uh, some podcast I listened to. So it's probably easy, very to dox yourself, as I, as as far as I, as, I, as far as I've heard. Um, so why don't you just start off? I mean, what is Thunderhub? Why do we need that? Um, what are you know? What are the features? Why did you do that in the first place? And uh, for for who is it? You know, who's the target group? Yeah. Uh, so the reasoning of why I started Thunderhub was because it, right now, mostly to interact with the Lightning Network, you a lot of people do it directly through command line, um, which isn't a very user friendly way to do it. And at the time when I started it, there was another uh, user interface that was called RTL or Ride the Lightning. That's another very good uh, node manager. Um, but I wanted to do it on another tech stack, try it out, see mostly as a learning experience, see all the different LND endpoints um, that were possible, all, all the ways that you can play with them. So I started this project and it, started growing and growing and people really like the user interface. So yeah, so I kept on it. it. What it is, it's basically a user interface that connects to your LND node. Uh, right now it's only compatible with LND and no other implementation. And yeah, it just, it just presents the information to you in a very 
a very nice way, very graphical, a lot of graphs, um, uh, strong colors, so that as soon as you get into the user interface, you know you know what's going on with your node. Yeah, I must say the interface looks looks just gorgeous. Uh, and um, since you know some time now, I don't have any problems whatsoever. You know, logging in, I I have Thunderhub via my node. You know, as uh, uh, my node premium, it's you know I'm super satisfied with my node. They have all you know the applications. It's it's really easy. I I can access it because most of the time I'm not home in my own home. I'm with my girlfriend and our uh, four months old baby. So uh, it's really great. You know, just to access it via Tor. Um, so okay, um, why don't we just start off, um, Anthony? How do you how do you how do you open and, and close a channel and what do you need to be careful about like when you and with whom do you open and close a channel and the the mistake I made and it's good you know to do some trial and error I, I open up an, uh, a channel with BTC session just for the fun of it and add you know lots of sats in it and and then uh, you know instead of just waiting and you know for a response from him. I, you know, I just wanted to see what happens if I just force uh, force close it. But then what happened, as you know, you know, it took, uh, it didn't take, uh, thanks God, you know, it didn't take like two weeks, but it took like a couple of days till, you know, till I had, till I saw uh, the pending pa balance and then the total balance, you know, so it was all good, you know, but um, what, uh, you know, and I'm and I'm acquainted, you know, with this website oneml.com, where you can, you know, uh, search for all the whatever the, the the channels which have, you know, a good capacities, good reputation, what whatsoever. Like, can you go a little bit into like the why, the how, and what do you need to be careful about? And uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So the thing with channels, or what you have to take into account with channels, is that they have a cost. So having a channel is not at all, it's not free at all, because to open a channel, you have to do a Bitcoin transaction. And to close a channel, you also have to do a Bitcoin transaction. So as soon as you're gonna open a channel, you already have to take into account that you're gonna have these two costs. And depending on how, a, on how blocked up or how congested the Bitcoin blockchain is, it, it, can, it can cost from some sense to, maybe some dollars, right? So it's not free. It's it's precious liquidity that to put into the Lightning Network, you have to spend some money for it to be usable, right? So you don't really want to go opening channels, especially not very small channels to a ton of nodes, right? Uh, because the, the smaller a channel, the harder it is uh, maybe for you to, to try to recover that investment. Maybe if you want to be like a routing node that you want to pass transactions from one place to another and earn a little bit of sats on that. So um, in terms of who to open nodes to, I think it, it really depends on what type of node you want to be. So there's a lot of, a lot of different uh, profiles that you can be. For example, there's people that want to do routing. So they want to earn some sats, uh, pushing one transaction from one side to another. There's other people that are services. So for example, Ellen Markets, that's a lightning derivatives exchange. That's another profile because they mostly want a liquidity that is coming to them. So they're not really focused on maybe being a routing node. And then there's other users that just want to spend money, right? They just want to send money to a service or they want to maybe 
buy some gift cards on bit refill. So I would, I would mainly categorize it in these three different profiles. And then depending on in which one of these you would situate yourself, then there's different uh, characteristics of which channels you want to open, which feeds you want to set and so on. Okay. Can you talk about the, the I mean, people like want to earn some sats while being a routing node. <clears throat> what are the, like, are there any prerequisites or is there, is it like too technical or is it, is it like different than, than a, than a normal, you know, user who just wants to, you know, send and, and receive, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in order to earn some sats on, on the side, is that something special? Okay. Yeah. So maybe before going down that route, uh, I talk a little bit about what is having local balance and remote balance on, on your channel. So when you open a channel, uh, most all of the sats will be on your side, right? So, so a channel is between two peers and there will always be one amount that is on your side and another amount that is on their side. And depending on the liquidity that is on these two sides will mean that you maybe can send money this way and not this way or the other way around. Right. So, for example, if if I open a channel to you and all the liquidity is on my side, then I'm going to be able to send money to you, but you're not going to be able to send money to me. Right. So going go, like after this, then a routing node is that they want to receive and send money. So they have to optimize the liquidity that they have so that it's always half and half. Right. So they always want to have for example, one Bitcoin going out, but also one Bitcoin going in. Because if they have, let's say, one Bitcoin only going out, then they're only going to be able to spend money and not receive money. And in the other case, if they only have one Bitcoin going in, then they will only be able to receive and not send. So a routing node really has to optimize so that it can receive and send payments across. Right? Okay, gotcha. Um so is like okay let's just you know go 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 through the, the steps maybe practically like if, okay you have like let's say i you know i i send myself like a million sats to and is it true like the uh, it only makes sense if you have like um or it is easier to open and close the channels the the, the higher the the amount is like uh, it has to be a so specific minimum or something um, so how I see it is that if, if you're a routing node, of course, you want to try to open the biggest channels possible because to open the channel, it has this, this on this blockchain fee, this transaction fee, but the, the fee doesn't depend on how big of a channel you open. So you can open a few, you can open, for example, a hundred sat, a hundred thousand sat channel for the same cost that you can open a maybe two Bitcoin channel, right? The, the difference is that with a two Bitcoin channel, you're going to be able to move much more sats uh, from one side to the other. And you can charge a fee for this. So, of course, if you have two Bitcoins that you're going to charge a 0.001% fee, uh, you're going to be able to recover the cost of opening the channel and possibly also the cost of closing the channel. Right. So if you open a very small channel, you would have to set a very high fee for you to recover the cost of opening that channel. So 
what, what will most likely happen if you set a very high fee is that people won't forward transactions through your node because it's going to cost them a lot of money and they will look for another route that is maybe cheaper and a cheaper option to use. Right. Okay. So in my opinion and in, in my experience, it is for, for somebody that wants to be a routing node, it, it's generally better to try to open bigger channels to try to recover in fees, what the co this cost, this, this cost that they, that the channels have, right? What would be the number? Like a million sets, two million, like, or is there like a minimum that you, you're thinking of or when you, when you so, say big channel? I, I think it really depends. So it, it isn't like a fixed value that you say like, yeah, this is the amount that you should, that you should use. For example, there, there are different nodes and each one sets the minimum that they think is necessary for them, right? So for example, on, on my personal node, I have a, a, two, a 2 million minimum channel. Others have 1 million, some nodes that maybe receive a lot of uh, channel requests. They have maybe a 10 million uh, li lower limit. So yeah, it, it really depends. It's not like a fixed value. I think it's, it's all about experimenting and seeing what works for you. Um, and also taking into account the, the blockchain, the, the cost of doing a transaction at that point in time. So if the cost is maybe one cent, two cents to open a channel that hasn't happened for, for many months, but it used to be like this, if it's, if it's like a really low value to open the channel, then it's, no, it's, it, it's not really bad if you open maybe 100,000, uh, 500,000 sat channel, right? Mm, okay. So let's go through like, you know, practical example. Okay. Let's say I open a channel, you know, I'll, I'll check the, you know, the website or, you know, either I find some peers whom I can open channels or I go on one ml.com. Is it like advisable to, to open channels with, you know, with these, with the biggest or the, you know, the, the ones who have the best capacity, like async or I don't know, or, or tales of the crypt or, <laughs> uh, yeah. Are there some channels where you you know it's definitely not wrong to to open up the channel and then and then you know and then you can see whether you have to rebalance or you have to do maybe less rebalancing? Uh, can mm -hmm. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I think this was this was like a bad network effect that happened or that is happening currently in the Lightning Network. That is that a lot of people tend to focus on these very huge nodes, right? So, for example, if you see the async, uh, async queue node, they have like, I don't know how many hundreds of channels. Uh, or if you see, so there's these really huge channels, right? That they have a huge amount of liquidity and a huge amount of channels on the network. So, of course, if a user would go in and say like, oh, I can connect to them. And then I have more reach. I have, I can, I can pass more transactions because they have a ton of different channels with a ton of people, right? But on one side, this, this tends to centralize a bit the network. So it tends to centralize it towards these huge nodes that have mostly all the liquidity towards them. Or for example, 1ML. 1ML also has a very huge node. And I think the main problem with these very huge nodes is that they're not maintaining the liquidity they're not maintaining a balance of liquidity uh, very, very well. So for example, the 1ML node is, is a node that is known to have mostly all uh, incoming liquidity, but not outgoing. 
So if you're going to pay something to 1ML, then it maybe makes sense to connect to 1ML, right? Connect the channel to them. And then if you want to pay something, I don't know if they offer any services or anything. But in my opinion, I wouldn't really focus on connecting to these very huge nodes and maybe maybe look for other nodes. There's different sortings going around. There's different lists that show good nodes to connect to, bad nodes to connect to. So it's really about experimenting. I, I, I really wouldn't focus on these huge nodes, but maybe try out. Okay. But what, uh, Anthony, what would you look out for? I mean, okay, if you're looking for peers, you know, to what, like, what are you looking at? at uh, there's, you know, different like parameters, like whatever capacity or, or, or like, what are you looking for? Or, or just, you know, specific peers who you know personally or not personally, but mm -hmm. whom you maybe interact on whatever on Twitter or you just know people. Is, is that the way to go or? Yeah. So, uh, for me personally, I tend to open channels with people that I know. There's some groups in there's some groups in Telegram that are mostly focused towards uh, Lightning Network people that are into this stuff and want to open channels and they all know each other and they try to keep like a balance going and everything. So I do tend to open channels with people that are in this group and then and then just try it out. So, so this this I would say is like my main sorting, no, or or the main pr focus or priority that I do when I'm going to open a channel. Okay. So, just to clarify for myself and you know the, maybe you know the listeners too, uh, when you want to receive more, uh, because there's this inbound and outbound. Which one is it? Like, if you want to receive more, you have to uh, like jack up the the outbound, or, or is it? I'm just confusing the terminology. Mm -hmm. Can you like elaborate a little bit on the definition? Yeah. So, so in a channel, there's always local balance and remote balance. Uh, when you have local balance, that is outbound liquidity. So it's liquidity that can move out. And when you have remote balance, that's incoming liquidity or liquidity that can come into your node. Hmm? Oh, got you. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about rebalancing. And maybe there's, um, maybe I, I don't quite understand. I want to talk with you about this watchtower function, which I have, by, by the way, activated. I, I didn't know why, but I just, you know, I, I was told that's, you know, it takes a lot of burden off of you. Uh, because it it watches somehow in the background, you know that it, your 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 channels are balanced, and so I had already mm -hmm. activated it. So I want to talk to you about you know this this watchtower. Maybe you can elaborate on the watchtower, the loop in loop out on the lightning terminal, and mm -hmm. the rebalancing function on Thunderhub, because mm -hmm. it says here you know outgoing, incoming, maximum fee, maximum fee rate amount type, maximum rebalance, and then you can choose between fixed and target. I, I guess, you know, that's sort of the, the target pri uh, the target amount. Um, so maybe you can like talk about like, yeah. what, what do you need to be careful about? Like, yeah. Yeah, um, so I think it, it's two different topics. So first one is the watchtowers. The, the thing with uh, lightning nodes is that you always have to have them on. They all, they have to be 24 seven connected so that uh, you can pass transactions with your peers and they can connect to you and, and the, the channel is, is online, right? Uh, the thing is that if you go offline, then there is a possibility that your peers could close the channel in a way that they take more money than they should have, 
right? And, and this can happen if, for example, you have your node off for maybe three weeks a month or longer periods of time, they can, they can close those channels and give, them, give themselves basically more money. So what, what a watchtower does is that if, if your node goes offline, it can basically monitor the channels and, and be or keep you safe that your peers aren't going to close them and take more money than they should have. Yeah. So is it advisable to, to have it turned on even even if you know if there's like a really minimal risk that that my node goes off you know because i think it's for people yeah. who have shorted power shortages i don't know you know some other reason uh, like is it is it all is it like most of the time advisable to have the watchtower on then it, so to be honest i haven't really played a lot with watchtowers i don't have a watchtower on or anything um and I, I haven't really found any use for it right now. So I have a, a very high availability mode. Uh, so it's it's running 24-7, and I've never had any issues with peers wanting to, to try to steal some money or something. And my node really hasn't been offline for, for more than a day or maybe even more than some hours in, in the past almost two years. So, yeah, I, I haven't really played around with them and haven't had the need to do it. Yeah. Uh, and our, uh, in regards to, to the rebalancing, so rebalancing is when you want to move liquidity from one side of your channel to another, right? Where you want to move outbound liquidity to incoming liquidity and so on. So this can happen, or you may want to do this for, for a different number of reasons. For example, if you have a channel that is mostly all your liquidity, so local liquidity, and you maybe want to pass half of that liquidity to be on the other side so that you can also receive money, yeah? So that is when you can do rebalancing. And rebalancing, there is mostly two ways. There is using, for example, Loop, that is an L&D service, a, a Lightning Labs service, using Loop to either loop in or loop out, or there's another way that you don't need any external provider or anything that is just a normal circular rebalance. Yeah. Um, the difference between these two is that when you're doing loop, when you're using loop, you're mostly passing lightning balance to be on-chain balance or on-chain balance to be lightning balance. So it's, it's changing between off-chain and on-chain. Uh, on the other and hand, which can incur higher costs, which can incur higher costs, right? I mean, it, it normally has a higher cost, yeah, because for you to receive money on the blockchain, so to do a, a blockchain transaction, it, it has a higher cost normally than just doing a lightning payment. So doing loop in and loop out, it, it does incur in a higher cost. There's, for example, there's different services, for example, loop, and there's also another one that's called Bolts. And with these, you can do these type of exchanges, lightning to, to on-chain Bitcoin and on-chain Bitcoin to lightning. Yeah? And on the other hand, with, with a circular uh, payment, you're not moving from lightning to, to on-chain Bitcoin, but you're just moving a, a, the liquidity in one channel to the liquidity in another lightning channel. So for example, it's called a circular rebalance or a circular payment because you're basically paying yourself, yeah? But you're paying yourself going out through one channel and coming in through another channel. 
And what this causes is that the, the liquidity, it basically shifts. So part of the liquidity on the first channel moves to the other side, and part of the liquidity on the other channel moves to your side, right? So, it's, so it, it gets like pushed in a circle back to you. So now you have maybe two channels that you can, on both of them, send and receive, and not only have the liquidity blocked on, on one of the sides. Okay, and is it necessary or and or advantageous to have like already set up different channels? Because you know, if, as I'm looking like in, in the interface, like rebalancing, it says select the peers that will be rebalanced, and then you can you know, mm -hmm. because I don't have anything right now to to drop for a drop down, uh, only one channel, and that is from Sphinx. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that's the only channel I have. Uh, but it says you know outgoing, incoming, and then you can do the drop down and the second part it says select the fee to look out for maximum fee maximum fee rate and then the third part select the amount you want to rebalance amount type fixed or target and maximum rebalance mm -hmm. do you want to like elaborate on on these you know in between steps yeah. thanks um so this view that you're seeing right now is basically to do circular payments yeah this is just circular rebalancing and things to take into account when you're going to do a circular rebalancing are the fees that you're going to pay for, because you're going to pay through various channels, right? So you're going to send money through one channel that maybe passes through a couple other channels and then comes in through the last channel. And each of these channels might charge you a fee for you to move those sats from one side to the other. So the interface or, or what the tool is helping you to see is you can set a max fee that you're willing to pay. Right, so there's max fee and there's max fee rate. Max fee rate is it, the percent that you're willing to pay based on the amount of satoshis that you want to move from one side to the other. And, and then the max fee would be the total amount, the, the total fee that you would be willing to pay, it, not based on the amount that you want to move from one side to another. Right, so. I think that this is the, the biggest thing to take into account that when you do a circular rebalancing or a circular payment, you have to pay a fee to move these, these sats from one side to another. So if you're gonna move, for example, 1 million Satoshis, maybe, maybe you wanna check that the fee rate is gonna be below a certain amount so that, it's, so that you're not gonna pay too much money to do it. Maybe an amount that you're not gonna be able to recover in, in routing fees. Like how so would you, you calculate wanna... that, Anthony? I mean, I, I would have a mm -hmm. hard time. Like, like you know, if you want to like do this rebalancing as you know as 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 efficient as, as fast as possible. Like, how would you mm -hmm. how would you calculate how what, what are you what are you looking at? I mean, before yeah. entering all those uh, numbers. Yeah, it, it all depends on which are the peers that you want to rebalance. So, if you're connected to a peer, for example, YALS. YALS is another very big node, and they have they're known to have very high fees for you to move sats through their channels. So if you're trying to rebalance two channels that for some reason their route has to pass through y'alls, then you're going to have to pay a much higher fee to rebalance it. And maybe, or maybe on the other side, you're connected to peers that have really low fees, that they haven't, they haven't upped the fees or they left it on the default when you open a channel. So it can be very cheap to rebalance through them. So it's in it's in a in a per case basis. So, and where where do you look at? I mean, do you look at one ml.com or is there like uh, like do, or do you look into 
Do you also check mempool or no? Mempool doesn't have anything to do with that, right? I mean, what, like, on what do you base your decisions? Where do you look uh, the parameters that you're looking yeah, at? So, yeah. So it's it's not necessary for you to actually go in and look into into the fees from these peers or anything because the the tool or or this circular rebalancing that is in Thunder Hub, you can just set the max. And they will try to pay through different routes. And if they don't find a route that is under this max, then they won't do it. So it's not necessary for you to go in and see like, oh, they have these fees or, or maybe it's too expensive, maybe not. You just set what you're willing to pay. And then the tool will try to pay through different routes until maybe it makes it or maybe it doesn't. Okay. Can we like, okay, now no, it's a little bit difficult now without... Um having a practical like uh, life example uh, with, you know, with a rebalancing or, or what do you, I don't know, what do you call it? Circular rebalancing on, on Thunderhub? Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where you select the peers that we re rebalance outgoing incoming, select a fee to look at. What I understand uh, now the basics, I, it's, yeah, thanks so much. Uh, so, so you set the maximum fee, the maximum fee rates. What is it called? Uh, parts per million, like how do you, because it says a maximum free, uh, fee rate, 100 ppm. Uh, like, what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, so all the fee rates in Lightning are measured in ppm. That is, as you said, it's parts per million. So this is, take it as a percent. So it's how many sats you're going to charge per million sats that are going to be moved. So if, for example, you set, you set a ppm to 1,000, it means that if somebody moves... 1 million sats through your channels, you're going to earn a thousand sats. Yeah. So if you do the division, then you come, you get to a percent that is like 0.001 or 0.01, something like that. All right. Okay. So I don't want to, you know, drag it too long. Uh, Cause I said, you know, let's just do a, sh a short uh, episode. Is there anything else that's really important for the average user for the bit, you know, for the, uh, channel opener or, or noob out there to, you know, to, to be careful about or to know, to understand? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, so I think maybe some tips uh, are fine. Like, for example, be, be careful with force closing. I think it happened to you that you had to force, you force close the channel. And then this, this normally incurs in a higher fee because yeah. you have to, you have to basically, the, the transaction has to go into the blockchain as soon as possible. So if, if you have a, a very congested blockchain at that point in time, then you're going to probably pay a very high fee. So forced closures are something to really try to avoid. And as a general opinion on Lightning, I would say it's really about experimenting. So what, what works for somebody else can maybe not work for you or the other way around. What works for you could maybe not work for somebody else, for someone else. So it's really about experimenting. Try opening a channel here. See if they move any liquidity. If, you're, if you want to pay some service, then try to directly open a channel to bid refill. See how it goes there. It, with circular rebalancing, try to maybe set one fee. If it makes sense, maybe you want to lower it or maybe increase it. But it's really all about testing, trying it out. I think a lot of people that go into Lightning, they get stuck in the very like in the details. And they're like, yeah, what, what is the best fee to set? 
or uh, which nodes should I open channels to and so on. And I would say it's just about testing. Test, uh, maybe this fee works for you. Maybe you want to lower it. Maybe you want to increase it. Just like play around with it. See how it goes. See how your node interacts with the network. See how other people interact with it. And then you start building up like a backlog or, or a history of how your node behaves. And you can start adjusting all these different parameters much better based on your specific use case. Yeah. So I would just say like, give it a try, test out different things, move fees, increase them, lower them, just test it out. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So uh, do you see any, like, is there any hope? Like there, are there any developments in the background that, that will facilitate or uh, make these operations more, you know, easier, more by default? You know, for the average user out there, are there like are there some developments on because I'm not really up to date or you know I'm not an expert um, on this topic. Is there anything mm -hmm. like going on in the background that that will make these procedures like easier and and you know efficient, more efficient? Yeah, um, yeah, I think there's there's a ton of development that is going on in Lightning, and it's surrounding everything. So there's tools for node management. There's tools for Lightning Explorers. There's tools for, uh, there's even lists that show you which nodes might be good or not. For example, there's a website that's called Moneni and you can just put like your pub key and it tells you like, oh, these are maybe good channel, good nodes for you. There is another list that is called the boss score list or the boss list that is an assortment of like 300 peers, I think right now. And it also gives you like, yeah, these are these are maybe good nodes. These are maybe nodes that are good, but they don't have a very high uptime. And there's a lot of different lists and different tools that are coming out that will improve this. I, I think it's there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, I think the ideal situation is when all of this is automated, that you can just give your node like, you, yeah. you give it some some expectations or what you would expect for it to do, and then it just handles everything automatically. It, it opens to peers that it thinks it should. It does the circular rebalancing and everything on its own. I think this automation is something that people are working on, but I also think that there is still a lot of work to do so that uh, this, this part of channel management and liquidity management is much more normal or much more behind the scenes for different users that are coming into Lightning. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I mean, I think, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't live uh, like uh, some other Bitcoiners like Max Hillebrand, I think, BTC Session Ben. There's uh, there are some people, you know, in this space who are like more or less all in into Bitcoin, all the transaction, their daily life, everything is around. Like, yeah. I think then it would make sense for these people. But to be honest, for the average user, as you know, I mean, it's really good we have uh, wallets, semi-custodial, custodial, whatever, non-custodial, uh, Lightning and mm -hmm. or you know Bitcoin on chain and or you you know you can switch back and forth. Phoenix, Blue Wallet, Wallet Satoshi already. You know you can make Lightning. So this is great, mm -hmm. great tools and great wallets we have already. So. It's to be honest at this moment uh, or in this phase, it's not for me or my girlfriend. So I was, you know, I'm just trying you know, to educate myself and others, and that's why, you know, I'm asking you all these, uh, let's say, really low-level, naive <laughs> questions, uh, so that you know we get a better insight, like what's coming, what is the development, uh, the, the question, why do we need it, how to do this. Uh, so, 
Yeah, so thank you so much. And uh, just the last question, like, is it really easy to dox yourself with opening and closing? Because it seems to be, a, you know, high risk. Um, not careful. So, so the, the thing, the thing with with opening and closing channels is that it's it's a Bitcoin transaction, and as soon as there's a Bitcoin transaction, it is in the blockchain forever. So it will not leave, and it will forever be registered that you opened a channel um, with this amount of money with this with these funds, and it's stored right. So, if for example you have, let's say, you have a node that people know that it's your node, right? So you have a, a very personal name, your, your node, so people can relate it to you. And then they can see all the channels that, all the public channels that that node has, right? So if people go in and look into which were the transactions that opened those channels, they can start seeing the origin of those funds. And also the IP address, is that a risk? Because I, I heard somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. it's pretty easy. Uh, I mean, it, it, the, the risk is there, you know, that um, the IP address can be identified and, you know, eventually it's yeah. what if you get a $5 wrench attack or something like that. So is, is like how, how probable is that? Yeah, it's so when you're running, for example, a node from home and you have it over ClearNet, it means that your IP is going to be also public, right? So if you have also in the same case, let's say that you have a node that you have your personal name on it. So people know it's yours. Yeah. They will know like this node comes from this IP. If I go to that IP, I will probably find somebody that has Bitcoin. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And yeah. It, it increases the likelihood of a $5 wrench attacks. Yeah. yeah. So my, my suggestion is if you're running it from home, run it over Tor. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different tools right now that facilitate to run it over Tor. Mm -hmm. And it's basically one click setup and it's running over Tor and you don't have to do anything else. And if on the other side, if, if you're running, for example, a node on the cloud, then you, you don't really care. It's on some server somewhere in the world. You can have the ClearNet IP address and it won't really affect you. But if it's at home, it's really important to run it either behind some proxy or some way that your personal IP isn't um, isn't doxed to the rest of the world. Yeah. So um, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm using you know I'm usually accessing it via Tor, uh, my node you know via Tor from anywhere. <laughs> And I have my VPN on all the time, so that it's always helpful, right? I mean, um, yeah. Or, yeah. So, Anthony, thanks so much. Uh, is there anything else you want to add, or is there anything coming up, or any any kind of I don't know inf important uh, educational materials, or or I don't know, uh, you know, guides coming up? Uh, where can people follow you? Uh, any other resources? Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, right now, right now I'm, I'm working on Thunderhub. I, I continue doing different improvements on it. I also recently co-founded a company. It's called Amboss Technologies. And the main focus is developing precisely these tools that you mentioned, these tools so that new users can come in and use the Lightning in, in a much better way and have it easier for them, right? So right now we released our first product that's called Amboss space. It's a lightning explorer. So you can go to amboss.space uh, on any browser and you will see a lightning explorer. And it, 
Yeah, so we're really focusing on building these tools, these tools that you made a question a moment ago, like what tools are coming up? We're, we're focusing on building these. Exciting, exciting things will come. And yeah, thank you for having me. As a, where to reach me, I'm on Twitter at Tony IOI. And yeah. And on Telegram, right? So people, there's also a Telegram group for Thunderhub. Yeah. There is a Telegram group as well for Thunderhub. If you go to thunderhub.io, you will see the link for the Telegram channel. Well, it was amazing. Anthony, thanks so much. Hope to make to do no this problem. again in the very near future. All right. Have a for great sure. weekend. Thank you for having me. Bye, Anthony. Ciao. So what do you guys think? I really enjoyed this talk. It's a lot of, you know, uh, details, technical stuff that you need to get acquainted with, familiarize with yourself with. You know, as, as I've pointed out to Anthony, it's, I think it's for now, it's good, you know, to experiment, to learn, to, you know, trial and error, to test. But uh, for most users, especially, you know, even users who want to use the Lightning Network, you know, we have Breeze, we have uh, Phoenix Wallet, we have uh, Wallet Satoshi. So there are already, uh, you know, tools, wallets available. But I do think it's still important uh, to familiarize yourself, you know, with how to open and close channels, what to be careful about, uh, why why would you, you know, why not to force close a channel, like, you know, mistakes that I've made so you can learn a lot of shit from me. <laughs> so I'm really appreciative of uh, Anthony Potevin's expertise and help and, you know, willing to come on my show to share his knowledge and his time. And if you have any questions, let me know. Uh, it's everything in the show notes, uh, the links. And make sure you follow me and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Make sure you follow Anthony on Thunderhub on Twitter. And yeah, if you have any suggestions for future tutorials, discussions, panel discussions, interviews, special guests, just let me know. Uh, please share with your friends and family. And if you, you know, enjoyed this or any other episode, leave a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcast. My name is Kevan Davani, the host of the Kevan Davani Connection Show. Thank you so much.